Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Don't even ask me. Let's just get to it. Big day. Yeah. we got That's it. what I was going to say. Yeah. And if I remember correctly from last year or from several episodes ago. Okay. Your favorite movie of 2008. What was it? It was Rachel Getting Married. It was Rachel Getting Married. Jonathan Demme. I got some good news for you, David. If you take a look to your left, you'll see our guest, Mather Zickel. Who oh, was, hey, hey, how you doing, guys? <laughs> How's it going? On? He was in Rachel Getting Married, your favorite movie. This must be a big day for you. Oh, yeah, it's a, it, is a, it, was, it was a great, great movie. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, uh, so uh, welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, and let's, uh, let's get to know you a, a, just a little bit, though. Okay. Not much. We don't want to <laughs> spend too much time on you sure. per, uh, per your, uh, your preferences. No, that's fine. Like, you know, we can, okay. You know. um, so, all right. So, uh, so you're an actor, and uh, you were. Uh, what would you say? So, well, let's just let's go through credits first. What are what are some of the things that, that you've been in uh, recently? Well, you know, Rachel, of right. course. Um, yeah. um, man, it's been real slow here. Um, <laughs> uh, recently, I was uh, I was on an episode of the show Cupid. Mm-hmm. Did a. Uh, uh, a, a guest, uh, a guest lead on that, and uh, also showed up on. Uh, I did a, a guest uh, appearance on uh, the show Party Down. I actually just watched that last night. You that, did that particular episode. I think that show is very, very funny. It's, I'm, it's really I, that's, I'm only as far as that episode. I haven't watched the whole the whole it's, season. It's really yet, good. It's, it's really like, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I know a lot of the guys. You sure. Know, yeah. Uh, involved with that, um, but I think it's a, it was a really fun, you know, fun show to be on. Um, let me see. Uh, I uh, was I played. Uh, I, I did a, uh, a mini series for ESPN about the 1977 Yankees oh. called "The Bronx Is Burning." With, hmm. Was it John Turturro? John Turturro right. played Billy Martin in that, and uh, I played Lou Pinella. In oh, that. okay. And then, um, oh man, I, I have a. I, I was in a web series uh, that my friend Eighty Miles did. It's a uh, like a, a soap opera of sorts. It's a right? soap opera called Horrible People. Yeah, okay. it was on uh, my damn channel, <laughs> um, and I was actually pretty proud of that. I thought that that turned out. Very I watched well. a couple episodes and I enjoyed it immensely because oh, good. everybody everybody's playing it uh, fairly straight. Pretty straight, yeah. Yeah, pretty uh, as far as straight as soap operas. Uh, right, right, yeah. Right. It's like as, as close to the uh, you know the the template as we can uh, we can keep it. Yeah. And then you've also. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen any of the episodes, but you were in um, several episodes uh, of Reno 911, correct? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, that's right. And you were, and you were the same character, so you kept coming back. Yeah, I, they they gave me a little arc. I, I've actually known uh, the the Reno producers for since college. We all went oh, to okay. NYU together. I know mm-hmm. known uh, Ben Grant and uh, Tom Lennon and Kerry Kenny for, since like 1988. So right. Um, and they they brought me on the show, and it was fun because uh, it was the first episode was uh, sort of a, an interrogation. I was just sort of doing a, an investigation into the police department because oh, okay. they had they had killed someone, and, <laughs> and it was it was fun because it was just going to be a kind of a one off, and then it, we we had so much fun doing it that uh, you know we got two episodes out of it, or they mm-hmm. got two episodes out of it, and uh, you know that was the season two finale oh, right. okay. where uh i send them all to jail i play hmm. the district attorney hmm. uh, okay. and then they were gracious enough to bring me back as a 
uh, uh, as the same character who had then become a serial killer. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so that was very fun. Uh, it's like a Harvey Dent situation. It was a Harvey Dent situation. Yeah. That's right. So. Yeah. Mike Powers, you know, goes bad basically. Nice. Killed a bunch of uh, prostitutes. Yeah. So, and then you were also uh, with that same uh, group of people. You were also in the Ten. In the Ten, yes, so. yes. David Wayne and um, and Ken Marino's film, yeah. which was a, a movie that I uh, I enjoyed quite a bit actually. You did. Um, it uh, I remember it kind of kind of came and went at the theater, and and some people didn't, didn't care for it. Didn't last long in the theater, but yeah. I liked it uh, quite a bit. Good. So, good. Um, but all right, so those it's, are some. It's, of it's the an odd ride, you know. I mean, it's you know, there's a, there's a lot of different kinds of you know there's like several species of very weird jokes in that yeah in that movie, and it's certainly. <laughs> You know, I, I don't think it was for mass appeal, but uh. <laughs> well, we've got. Uh, I mean, this is a movie podcast, but we've got a, a little bit of crossover into the sort of the comedy nerd world. And so yeah. I'm sure people would be very, very fascinated to hear about you knowing the all the you know Ken Marino and David Wayne and Kerry King, all the state people mm, for that long statesmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you and so like you went to college with all of them, and yeah. then uh, you know who who hit first, them or you, or was it all the or same? Do you even have to ask? <laughs> 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 have you have you heard of me before? <laughs> no, those guys uh they they uh they all came out of the gate uh you know working right away, you know, that that they had a sh- brief show on MTV before they had the state. Mm-hmm. Um a, a show called You Wrote It, You Watch It. Now I, I think they even might have still been in we we might have still been in college. Mm-hmm. Might have been like seniors at that point. And then uh you know, I think what did we, we graduated in 1992, and uh, and I think 93, the state premiered on MTV. Hmm. Wow! Um, but they had that sketch group all through college. It was, they they were called the New Group back at NYU, and uh, they were just always so incredibly hilarious and and talented and prepared. Like you know, and you'd <laughs> go to see a New Group show, and it was like a real bit of entertainment. You know, hmm. I mean, you were going to see a great show, and you know, the whole theater department and film department would show up for the for the whole thing. They would be packed. So you, I mean, it. You know, it sounds like you've. I'm sorry, you can't get those guys in here today. But <laughs> perfectly fine. That you know what? They weren't in Rachel getting married. Mm-hmm. David's mm-hmm. favorite movie of last year. <laughs> I of course didn't care for it, but uh, that's not <laughs> true. <laughs> I, I I liked it quite a bit, but um, but yeah, and and actually, let's let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. it sounds like I mean, that you did incredible. a lot of comedy. You know, and then you get into this fairly heavy-hitting drama. Well, the the comedy sort of came later. You know, I used to, you know, I was like a downtown New York theater actor for a long time. So I, Mm -hmm. I, like, mostly kind of very serious and heady stuff, a Mm -hmm. lot of it. Um, And, uh, you know, comedy actually kind of started a little later from it. Like, in my late 20s, I, I had a sketch group briefly as... Many people did at that time in New York. There were lots of sketch groups in, mm-hmm. in New York at that point. And then, uh, you know, and but I it, it sort of got me reacquainted with the state guys, you know, or, you know, we, we hadn't seen each other in a little bit. And then, like, that sort of, like, brought our worlds together again. And that was uh, that was really fun. Then they brought me on the show, you know, on Reno. When right. they eventually did that. And uh, I just sort of kind of built from there. Mm-hmm. They were just like they're my friends, you know. So it it became, you know, it, it was great. You know, it was very helpful. Uh, you know, I, I think the best advice for 
anyone starting an acting career is wait until your friends are successful. Right. And then, uh, you know, stay in their good graces and, you know, they'll give you a job. Well, Rachel getting married is, uh, it's a, you know, deals with a sort of serious topics of, you know, addiction and family stuff. But yeah. I mean, your, your character is very sort of wry and funny in that movie. Did, did you get that role more because of your theater serious stuff or because of... Honestly, I don't think they, you know, Jonathan Demi was not familiar with me. Um, I, I came in and, and read. Oh, okay. You know, I, I just, it was pretty much a straight up audition. Um, and I, I actually originally auditioned to play the groom. Hmm. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I read a scene or two and, you know, for casting and then left and didn't think any more about it. And then about two weeks later, my agents called me and said that uh, that Jonathan Demi wanted to meet with me and to talk about the other role. Uh, and we did, and we, we spoke for about 30 or 40 minutes, and he's the most gracious, you know, warm, generous man, you know, really yeah. a, a fantastic guy. And we just talked about the script. You know, he asked me what I thought about this and that, and, and we had a good conversation, and uh, and then uh, I found out I got the part not very long after that, and I never actually had to read for that part. Hmm. Oh wow! Uh, which is here again a great way to yeah. get a part is not audition for it. <laughs> uh, I'm a big believer in not auditioning. Well, I, I'm sure since then you've gotten a lot of people asking you what's what's Anne Hathaway like, but I want to ask you what's what's Fab Five Freddy like? <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> He's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there were a lot of cool people actually yeah. that showed up in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seemed like a fa- just such a fascinating. Like it's like on one side you've got you know like you know Deborah Winger like this at this point almost rec- reclusive actress that kind of pops up every once in a while and turns in like really amazing mm-hmm. gut wrenching well, work. Arquette went searching for her. I know. <laughs> Otherwise, right, she yeah. m- might never have been uh, in the film. But uh, you got that on one side, and then you've got like Bill Irwin on another side who. You know, I I knew him primarily as like not even uh, not not even like comedy, but like physical comedy, like yeah. a guy who's really great He's at that, like a, a clown. But, He's a, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then I remember hearing uh, that I believe on Broadway wasn't he in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes, he did. Uh, I think he did several. Uh, he did a few Albie plays. Okay. Uh, he also did um, uh, the Goat. I mm. think he was okay. in like the Goat at one point. Uh, and and he turns and now he's in, in uh, um, um, uh, waiting for Goodell. And that one, yeah, I mean, and that's I'd say that uh, is would be perfect for somebody like of, of his sensibilities. But yeah. like, you just don't, you know, you don't. I feel like uh, everybody, myself included, you just you never think of like a comedic actor would be great at this kind of drama, nor do you think like a dramatic actor would be really great uh, in comedy. Which is why when you see somebody. Like pop up uh, on like Thirty Rock or something right. like, or Alec Baldwin in general. Like you never thought like, oh, this guy would. H- how is he so insanely funny? Um, but like Bill Irwin is very. He gives <laughs> a very moving performance in it, and he's yeah. he's such a. But he's also a dad. He's, a dad, he's like yeah. such a. He's kind of that goofy kind of dad, yeah. who uh, and it was and it was uh, he was really great and uh, but I remember uh, so like so many of the characters really stuck out to me and your character i believe kieran 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 um i remember his you know your character is very key because of all the people in the film you're the only one that really gets it uh you know oh man now i don't remember anne hathaway's character what her what was that kim like yeah yeah like you're the only one who really understands like everyone especially like bill Irwin, like they're trying to understand 
but you do understand right. and you instinctively know where she's I, coming yeah, from I understand and her and what's yeah. going on with her and where she is and and i mean how did you you know so in a from a certain point of view like there's a lot was on your shoulders you mm-hmm. know like you represent like she represents you know kind of the the drug addict who you know who's trying to do better but is still having a really tough time of it your character seems to have kind of gotten over the hump for the most part yes yeah and you know i mean so there was so that's you represent that i mean was that difficult to know that that's who you are and that's you know i it there was something in in a funny way not you know uh, because Mm -hmm. like one of the great things like the, the things i enjoyed about that character is that sort of like the audience almost mm-hmm. uh he, you know he he doesn't know any of these people except for no. um Sydney the groom mm-hmm. and and Rachel mm-hmm. um so he's sort of just as much a stranger to this house and this family as as the audience is and mm-hmm. you know i think the film is very immersive in its style and it really makes you feel like you're at Definitely. this house for a weekend you mm-hmm. know and this is all going on and uh you know so really like it was it was like being a fly on the wall in a lot of scenes. Like mm-hmm. I could just sort of observe and like watch what was going on, which and which was you know very affecting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very affected by just the scenes. You know, and just being around them, uh, just reading them on the page. They they really you know I found them moving. But then like when you know when the actors were working and the scenes were happening. It, uh, it, it it was very emotional. It was mm-hmm. a very emotional environment and, mm-hmm. and, and a safe one. I mean, everyone felt like it, it didn't feel like there were any mistakes. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like trying to, you know, get the thread into, you know, through the needle. Right. It was right. uh, it, it, it was it was very immersive. And uh, so in that way, it wasn't hard because, like, I really could observe and just sort of experience it almost like a guest would. Mm-hmm. Um and and then like uh, Anne and I would have these scenes, and a lot of our scenes were sort of in private. And we had a few other right. scenes that mm-hmm. were uh, that were cut um, because I think Jonathan wanted to keep it more in the you know in in the family yeah, and just right. sort of surrounded by all this business and like and and all of our you know all the scenes that Anne and I have together are really sort of private scenes. There mm-hmm. were these. We would sneak off to the basement and mm-hmm. have sex or whatever. There were another scene where we uh, go out for dinner and uh, you know, and and we just kind of talk about these things. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it just sort of felt like we could both reflect. Uh, you know, the scenes were like reflecting on like what the experience of the movie was, mm-hmm. and it just felt very natural and i and since kieran is not in the middle of the drama but right. sort of outside of it uh, you know i could be more of a calmer presence mm-hmm. um it did cut to i remember like it did uh within scenes of extreme awkwardness mm-hmm. uh it would frequently cut to you not at, and you weren't like doing like it you weren't like mugging or anything but like you were ref- you really were kind of reflecting the audience uh in that just like yeah it's like you're just like if oh I was my in that gosh kitchen like what would i <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm like I guess I'll just keep eating watermelon. So yeah, it's uh, for those who who haven't seen uh, Rachel getting married for uh, for several reasons. We highly recommend it. Uh, the only reason it wasn't in my top uh, ten was because 
when we were, I hadn't seen it by the time we recorded uh, that episode. But since then, well, I think it probably would have made it. Uh, one more just stupid like fan question about yeah. the movie it was the um you you read for the for Tunde Adabimpe's yeah. part uh, uh was the was him singing the new young song was that added once a a, a singer was cast or was that in the script? I, I remember you know? uh, in the audition the original script. Um, Jenny Lumet had written that he sings. Um, well, it was an ACDC song. It was uh, "Shook Me All Night Long." That's oh, really? what she wrote. And I remember in the audition, I I had to sing that. Like, oh, wow. we, we, we 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 did the the marriage vow, you know, scene yeah. as an audition, and it involved singing, you know, "Shook Me All Night Long" by ACDC. And I think uh, Jonathan, I don't know. I guess he just want. I I, I guess he. He picked another song. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he, he picked. Well, uh, that's a, that's that a great been, scene in the movie, I too. Imagine, yeah. Because it, start, it starts off, and you have that sort of awkwardness when someone's singing in a place you and don't. And it is kind of awkward. Yeah. It's but, <laughs> yeah, but by the time he finishes like the second line, you're, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. It really, and if that would if that had been, you shook me all night long, <laughs> it would have added a different. I think it's it would have stayed point. awkward. <laughs> it would have stayed, yeah, stayed awkward. That's just uh, that's my interpretation of that. Um, but uh, but so, had such a beautiful like yeah i mean he's such he's here again like really nice guy and just mm-hmm. just you know kind of shy but you know just this really smart and really you know and gentle like, he's got this very gentle kind of presence so i think it kind of uh yeah you know he, he really made that work there's a there's so many really great touching scenes in that film but i i I was about to bring up another one, but uh, we, we got to move on. Before um, we get to the topic, though, you, you yeah. brought something with you. I know. This is very exciting. Brought, yeah, this is, is my pretty... – uh, <laughs> sit around talking about movies. This is this is my ongoing list. This, this is a, uh, a, a compilation of lists of uh-huh. movies that I, I, I started, I think, in uh, 1998. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and it started with uh, – before the, uh, the AFI had chosen mm. – their top 100 they had nominated 400 films right oh wow and they had printed this in the paper they had printed the list of 400 films and i you know just you know like just a nerd like just went through yeah. like, right i just like lists i like making <laughs> lists yeah all nerds why. do yeah, yeah I, I, I don't understand what that's about but like and i was like okay i've seen that seen that, seen that. you know and i was just crossing I, I crossed off all the movies that i'd seen and that left you know Around 300 movies, uh-huh. uh, or, you know, at least high 200s of those movies. And I was like, oh, God, I've never even heard of it. You know, so I just wrote them all down. Mm-hmm. And then I kept that, you know, and I, I've been going, I, I've been knocking out that list for ten, you know, 10 years. I think I probably have 30 of those movies left to see on wow. the mm. AFI list. Nice. And then that led into some other lists. I got the BFI Top 100, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I I probably only have about... Ten of those left to go, hmm. um, and then uh, and then this other eclectic. Like, there was a great book. Like my brother gave me as a really cheap Christmas present. He gave me sort of like a you know stocking stuffer or whatever, and he gave me a book called The Hundred Best Movies uh, to Rent That You've Never Heard Of. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm sure I've heard of them. And I re- you know I, I read the book and I'd seen maybe twenty. Wow. And it was a great collection it was a gr- it was obviously some film critics I, I forget the guy's name who wrote the book but it was you know it was a really great spread of movies and different directors and eras and genres and i was like 
it, it just opened so many more doors for me to like just different worlds of film that I I was not exposed to. So I saw all those except there is one movie on that in that book which I could not rent. It is not available anywhere. Uh-huh. Well, I can't get it anywhere. What's it called? It's a documentary called uh, Poto and Cabengo. Huh. I've never have heard of it. Yeah, it was uh, it was by uh, Jean Pierre Gorin, who was uh, who was uh, Godard's uh, he, he was Godard's uh, cinematographer, oh, okay. and they co-directed uh, some 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 films together. And this was a documentary he made in the late seventies, and it's nowhere. I can't find it. So I don't know. I thought it was a little unfair that it was in a book of the best, uh-huh. you know, 100 best movies you can rent that mm-hmm. you've never heard of because you can't rent that movie. Um, so so what's what's on your, your compiled oh, list there that you haven't seen yet? Should I just throw out titles? Sure. Or, sure. or anything that, that you're... What's, what's right, coming we'll do, up next? We'll do the, the AFI. AFI, what do I have left? This is alphabetically. Uh, Babes in Arms. Hmm. Bambi. Never seen Bambi. Oh. Hmm. Ben-Hur. Huh. Waiting for a... Uh, Re-release, like I yeah. kind of don't want to rent Ben Hur. Yeah, right. Yeah. I want a big, I want a screen. Um, Broadway Melody, I've never oh, seen yeah. it. Cabin in the Sky, oh, never seen it. Cimarron, never seen Western. it. Uh, these are old. Uh, the Crowd. Now this was annoying. It was on TCM the other night, and I record and and I, I TiVo'd it. The Crowd. You know, it's uh-huh. a silent yeah. King Vidor film from you know silent era. Uh, because you can't get it on Netflix, and oh. I and I uh, TiVo'd it at the wrong time, so oh. I completely missed the crowd. Uh, David Copperfield, hmm. yeah, it's in the queue. Diary of Anne Frank, never saw. It. Never saw it either. You got to be in the mood to see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of these are like, ugh, I don't know. Gone with the Wind, another one. Huh. Oh well, that's. But here again, want to wait for a. Yeah, a it's. And I think that's that's the way to see it. I I yeah. have. I have a lot of funds for that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's gorgeous to look it's at. It's gorgeous, yeah. But uh, it's kind of it's a soap opera. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not really a great movie. It's kind of stilted. Yeah. There there are some movies that I just like for example, I had seen Lawrence of Arabia several times before David and I went and saw it on a big screen in Chicago. It's a different. And then and then the minute yeah. I saw it I was like I've never seen this. <laughs> I know, never yeah, really that happened to me too it. with Lawrence of Arabia. I was uh, I've seen it a couple times in the uh, in the theater and yeah. it was it's a completely different experience. Yeah, it really. Like at uh, at the ArcLight, uh, my wife and I and some friends are going to go see The Godfather, uh-huh. and I had never seen it on the big screen, and she's never seen it at all. Oh, and so like I'm st- I'm super excited. It's exciting to yeah. go see it. So uh, and I'm exci- a, I'm more excited for out. her. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. That's just going to ruin it for the rest of because the, then she'll only have it on DVD. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if I should keep going with this. I, d- I just wonder what what leaves that. Like, what's what do you really Amp to see that's on that list. What am I amp to see? I don't even know. I mean, some of these movies, I've seen the, you know, I pretty much seen the ones that I was, you know, kind of gunning to see. So these Mm -hmm. are other movies that I just eventually will to get them done. And like, and some of them I I know nothing about. Yeah, you mentioned like like Cabin in the Sky and Cimarron. I know because I used to work for MGM that those are old MGM movies, and that's all I know. (laughs) That's all I know. Yeah, (laughs) and probably, but the thing is, like, I get surprised because I'm I'm almost at the point where I find. Like almost no movie is boring to me, because every movie to me is a cultural historical relic. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's not a good movie, 
someone thought at the time that this is what people wanted to see, right. or this is like an acting style, or this is a lighting style, or you know, this is what a story, you know, like the things that they put in and don't put in are always really interesting to me because it bespeaks the times. Yeah, I've said that actually on the on the show before. I think the episode might not be available uh, to listeners anymore, but uh, that well, I none of them are available at the moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> but fix they it. will be by the time yeah, this episode. It'll up. be fine. Um, yeah, I had some server problems this weekend. Yeah, but I think we're good. We're, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, but the uh, yeah, I I don't I I stopped using the term boring when uh, when referring well almost to anything, but like to movies yeah. especially because like even if it's a movie like if it's a movie that isn't interesting me like I yeah. I at this point it might be you know my uh, might be uh, my uh, Christian stirrings, but I just naturally blame myself and uh, <laughs> and just be like, well, I'm not. It's it's me. I'm not fine. Somebody found this interesting. Mm-hmm. So why am I not? Well, I have to rearrange my thinking so that I find it interesting. And if well, I still I don't, know don't necessarily, I guess someone finds everything is interesting because some someone made it. I, I think. Yeah. But the the proliferation of like uh, digital cinema and like sort of independent funding for films is like it's really good in a lot of ways that it, it, a lot of movies get get, get to get made that mm. wouldn't have otherwise. But you've get you've got a little bit of the other spectrum too. Like a lot of people who probably shouldn't be making movies yeah. are making really like sort of pretentious. Uh, films, but even then, see, I can't get bored because I'm so angry. You know what I mean? Like, like anger and scorn. That not, not, nothing boring about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. That's, that's you know. almost kind of fun. Exactly. It's great. It's, it's great to get a real good hate on. Something, you know? I mean, that's it's really fun. Yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's interesting about. Uh, I think David and I once talked about. I don't know. I don't know if you can ever do an entire episode based on movies we haven't seen because uh, then it's just a function of throwing out titles. But. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's there's that's I, what it is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. that's basically what I'm doing. Like, and I haven't added anything to this list in over five years. Oh yeah. my! So I'm like, I just want to get them done, right? And, you know, and it's just sort of like it's it's just a comprehensive list of all different kinds of movies. The British list feels yeah. totally different. Yeah, the odds and ends. You know. Well, you well, could uh, you can always go to the uh, battle Battleship. beneath the beneath the valley of the ultra vixens. That's on Russ Myers. <laughs> That's Russ Myers. I'm psyched yeah. to see that. I haven't seen that. You know, there's, uh, um, you know, who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me? I've heard of that. That's a great title. That's that's a good title. So Dustin um, Hoffman, you know, Ulu Grossbar directed it. And yet not on DVD though. You know, no. you got to get yeah. it on DHF. We've, you and I have talked about movies that we're like almost ashamed to admit that right. we haven't seen. Like I, I right. think I've mentioned fairly recently that I've never seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is a big oh, that's a, a big good one. one. That I feel yeah. like I need that's, to that's, see. That's, that's I think fun. I ha- I think I might have the capper. You've got Gone with the Wind. That's that. That's yeah, the big one. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that's oh. that's rough. That's that's a big one. That is a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's not just movie. culturally important. Yeah. It's that's a great movie. It's a great movie. And then like I like it's one of those things where it's like oh we've been doing a movie podcast for at this point 118 episodes like and i haven't seen the 400 blows (laughs) i think it's time i uh i I either need to stop podcasting or i need to see the 400 blows so uh you know i never saw wild strawberries and so it's it's very frustrating so but you can't see all have you used the uh the sight and sound list uh to make your have oh, you, you know, of, I haven't actually. That's a, yeah, yeah, it's sure. usually a pretty good list. Yeah, they, 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 they only do it every, like, ten years or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's after a while, like, I had to stop looking at the list right. just because the, there's yeah. so many repeats, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then whoever is doing the list is like, well, I'll put all the, you know, the old chestnuts up there. Plus, here's my personal, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> someone <laughs> right. will have their little, you know, point of 
Someone who really liked Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock. Great movies, an overlooked gem. Gem, that's a well done. See, you've done. I can tell you've done your research that, because that is gem a, is the word that's always used. Yeah, that is a Barbara Schroeder film, though. I know the guy. The guy who made Barfly and uh, uh, what's the William Hurt movie that he made? Um, the one he won the Oscar for. Oh, uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman? Oh, Kiss yes. of the Spider Woman. That's Barbara Schroeder, isn't it? Or, I is, thought that, that or was is that Walter Sayas? I thought it was Hector Babenko. Mm. But I okay. don't remember. Well, but he did, do, re- he did do Reversal of Fortune. He makes a lot so. of Latin American films because Barbara Schroeder also made uh, a movie called Our Lady of the Assassins, right. which is a. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was no. a very, very low budget uh, digital film that was uh, awesome about like a sort of. Uh, like a, it's like a, a, a gay dude who moves to the city. I, I can't remember what if it's Brazil, uh, if it's Sao Paulo or whatever, and mm-hmm. sort of uh, hooks up with this this killer, this like gang. He's a like a young teenage gang member who's also sort of gay or bisexual, and yeah. and, and sort of tries to tries to rescue him, but is also sort of transfixed by this sort of dangerous world. Sounds mm-hmm. boring. <laughs> yeah, I could, well, that's just David's description. Um, but uh, but David, I mean, Barbara Schroeder directed Burner by Numbers, but he also directed uh, uh, Desperate Measures with uh, Andy Garcia and Michael Keaton. Oh, I never saw that. It's yeah. not good. It's uh, it's yeah, it's a shame. Michael Keaton's doing good work in it, but that is not a good mm. movie. Did you ever see Desperate Measures? Then? Nope. All right. <laughs> Put it on your put make on a new list. list. Yeah, start start, new list. start making a new list Barbara and put list. desperate measures right there <laughs> at the top. Um, oh, I've been going through old horror movies too. Like my my mother sent me a book of a uh, hundred great horror movies. You know, like one of mm-hmm. those books. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a lot I haven't seen. And I, I like I've, there's been some fun ones. I just saw yeah. the Innocence. Have you ever seen no. the Innocence? Oh, horror no, movies I are kind of a, a weak spot in my. You know, I mean, some of these are they're, they're, uh, the Innocence is uh, an adaptation of Turn of the Screw, oh, okay. and it's just very you know it's sixties, early sixties, but um, austere, um, but beautifully filmed. It was uh, I think Truman Capote co-wrote the the screenplay, hmm. the adaptation, and it's acted beautifully. Uh, Deborah Carr, oh, I love her, and it's spooky. It's like a very great eerie. I, I think it's better than the haunting than the original hmm. haunting. Um, I also just saw one called uh, a Czech film from 1970 called Valerie and Her Week of Wonders. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> no, movie? but that's also a great title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, crazy. It's pretty much a vampire film, and you know about a young girl's sexual awakening. Oh no! <laughs> uh, I don't know why vampires. You know, so you always have to have some, somebody's sexual awakening. <laughs> but it's really cool looking it's it's spooky it is yeah. really spooky i have a question not scary not like a jump out of your seat thing but right. like it's like eerie like, old european like it just feels haunted and bizarre everyone there every character in it is kind of alarming did, that uh, to did me you is, see let the right one in that more yes that i was like that amazing very good it. yeah i'm uh, waiting not what the, i expected uh, no. it, like because i I had heard about how great it was, so I, was, I guess I was expecting something sort of artsy. Yeah, and it is, but it's also kind of. But it's pretty suspenseful, and and it's yeah, and it's got a lot of sort of like tongue-in-cheek B-movie fun to yeah. it too. But yeah, it's really great. I'm waiting for the DVD re-release because that whole subtitle thing. I didn't hear about that. Really? What do you mean? What okay, so there was there was the theatrical release, mm-hmm. and then there was the DVD release, 
And apparently the company that put out the DVD went with a different subtitling company. And the lines were much more plain and much less clever uh, uh, than uh, in the uh, theatrical release. And a lot of people complained. And so I think I, I don't think they recalled it, but they're going to re-release it with the original subtitle. So I'm waiting for that. That's good. So there's yeah, it was a big, uh, a big, uh, a big to do. Well, that that's sort of a movie about a sort of a coming of age type movie. Maybe we can get into the topic now that we had talked about. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Thirty-one minutes into the podcast, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'm very the, excited the, that you uh, that you uh, gave us a topic that I had never thought. I, I mean, I know it's a subgenre, but I hadn't thought about it. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I it's it's not a genre in the you know in the video store, right? You know, they, they don't have a shelf on it, but I, you know, the, I, I find that like some of my favorite movies are. About that, uh, about 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 teen sort of yeah, sort of the adolescent you know the like the like dark adolescent stories I yeah. think are I, I was very moved by that like I, I kind of feel like they don't make these movies in Hollywood anymore um, and I guess they, I you know I guess that's not totally true but when I was twelve which was in nineteen eighty two. Um, you know, I remember like going to the movies to to see like Taps. Mm-hmm. Taps is a dark movie, you know, yeah. but it was PG. It was like a PG. It's a bummer of a movie. Yeah. yeah, and like they don't make those kinds of movies anymore. You know, that are just about it. Just does not work out. Like it's about yeah. kids like making you know, just going you know, going down a dark path and yeah. you know. Someone suffers. You know, Stand By Me is a great one. I think yeah. that one. Yeah. A little more, you know, family friendly, but uh, rated R. Yeah. And it still R. and it still ends not necessarily badly, but certainly it's not melancholy. well. I mean, yeah. it's just melancholy is the perfect yeah. word for it. It's just, you know, it it ends in a realistic way, which mm-hmm. is like these guys who say they'll be friends forever just drift apart as all those. You know, I don't talk to anybody that I was kids with, yeah. you know. Um, I just went to a, a school reunion. I, I actually I, I didn't go to high school in in my hometown. I went I went to boarding school, mm. um, but I went back to the my hometown high school reunion, the twentieth uh, high school reunion, and it was because I wanted to see those friends I had uh-huh. when I was twelve. Mm-hmm. They were very important to me. You know how d- how that uh, how that work out? Uh, it was disaster (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think it's i think it's important that you say that uh that like hollywood doesn't really make those movies anymore i mean i they might but i feel like any of them that have to do with like they're largely independent films. i think if they do you know did you ever see uh one of my favorite uh movies the last several years was mean creek Oh. No, did you ever, you never no, saw it? I don't know Mean Creek. It's um, it's uh, it's Rory Culkin, right? Yeah, the youngest of the Culkins, um, and the most talented, I think. Uh, yeah, I'd say. Uh, and um, uh, the the story, the quick, the story is that they're gonna. I think it's uh, the, there's this one kid who's really mean. Yeah. The yeah. this like big kid who's a bully, uh, but he's also got this really tough t- home life, which is probably true of a lot of bullies. Yeah. And so Rory Culkin and his older brothers decide. Like as a prank, they're gonna take him out rafting or like for his birthday, mm-hmm. and then push him in the water and leave him there. And uh, well, and they 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 said what they were gonna do is they're going to strip him naked, oh, like right. and uh, force him to like run home mm-hmm. naked. You yeah. know, um, so something 
the plans change, and then uh, yeah. the movie happens from there, and it, it's really amazing. Mm. But even, but even like, even without the kind of, the, it's not really a twist, but just the without the turn of events that that you know that occurs, um, it's still just a just a brilliant film in the way that it deals with adolescence because basically it's this bully who his home life is rough in the sense that like he comes from actually a fairly wealthy family mm-hmm. um but he's just kind of neglected and he's kind of, he's an overweight kid who yeah. you know and in and in, in moments by himself you see that he's actually very creative very mm-hmm. artistic but you know he just you know he's he's a fat kid whose parents he's don't decent, yeah. don't really pay attention to him and just and so he just is not socialized right like, so he yeah. becomes a bully you know because yeah. that's how he feels more important and stuff um and he knocks down Rory Culkin who's this little kid and then the little you know Rory Culkin talks to his brother his brother talks to his friend and then like all of a sudden like it's like a a five person conspiracy to get reve- uh, revenge on this bully yeah um and each person, each person, kind of, it's like uh, I never, I never saw River's Edge, but based on what I've heard about River's Edge, it's like River's Edge. Mm-hmm. Everybody brings their own motivations to to the to the table, um, and so you actually, in fact, have a couple of like high schoolers taking revenge on a kid that's younger than they are because uh, because they themselves are in a situation or they remember what it was like to ha- to be bullied, mm-hmm. you know. And everybody just brings their own problems to it, mm-hmm. and. And you could say that the problems are all so distinct that, like, each character is kind of an archetype. But, in fact, um, and, and you'd be right, but it's played so realistically um, by yeah. each of the actors that I think one of the – was I don't remember if it was Sundance or if it was Khan, uh, but, like, they created a special award just for that – just for that cast because – everybody was turning in wow. – uh, all these young actors were turning in such great naturalistic performances. Wow. Um and uh, and what and the beautiful thing of it is that uh, you see that the bully himself, you sympathize with him a little bit, but you still see how he is a bully. Yeah, you know? destructive. And yeah, scary. And it's just such a it's just such a beautifully conceived film in every way. Wow. Um, and I for the life of me, I don't remember the name of the guy who directed it, yeah, but <laughs> but it came out in two thousand four, I believe, and uh, and it's absolutely. Worth watching if you like this genre. I do. At all, I, I will. I've never heard of that movie, but I will absolutely. See you should it. write it down on your on your yeah. list there. No, you got to start but a new list. That's, list. That's, <laughs> don't write uh, it on well, the speaking of the Culkins too. Uh, one of my again in in the same genre, um, Secret Lives of Alter Boys, which is a, a movie that I there are like? aspects that I didn't like that much, really? but there were other like. Just certain, it's like it's something. like oh, they they like they they're gonna steal a like what was it cougar or a mountain lion or something yeah, like crazy. it's like that's kind of a weird plan though and one that I don't think I would believe but the performances yeah. sell the situation to me yeah all those Culkins are actually pretty good I don't they're know why you have good. to yeah I don't yeah. know why you have to single out one of them Kieran Culkin's pretty good I Kieran, didn't say th- I, I just <laughs> Rory Culkin is my favorite Culkin oh okay do you see Igby Goes Down this is actually another one now that I think I, yeah that's what I, I when you mentioned Culkin's I was uh, I like thinking you were going to say Igby Goes Down a lot of people don't like that movie they yeah I found that too and that's why I kind of avoided it in the theater I hadn't heard that many great things and ended up loving it when it came out on DVD yeah I mean you know I guess there's people get turned off by cat, too many Catcher in the Rye sort of stories mm-hmm. I guess yeah. you know but I feel like this one actually, of all the of all the yeah. films inspired by Catcher in the Rye, I feel like this one actually. I feel like it captures the 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 mood 
the best because like it does just kind of go along like there's no real story to speak of it's just like a series of adventures of this troubled individual and uh you know and it's and all the supporting performances are really strong like jeff goldblum uh as this like wealthy guy who uh yeah walks around with no pants sometimes and it was uh it's well having gone to you know to boarding school uh, yeah Mm. you know rich people are crazy (laughs) like preppies are nuts (laughs) yeah i mean like a very strange like you know like class of people like they're very you know they're insular and right alcoholic you know (laughs) (laughs) it makes you wonder if like if igby goes down could have if that specific story could have happened to like just a working class family i don't know if it could have i don't know it wasn't that's yeah it's not a working class story it's like it's a rich kid's story you know but Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a weird world you know it's a strange sheltered it's sheltered and yet incredibly dangerous somehow like because there's almost like no limits. Like there's oh, so many, right. there's so many kinds of trouble you can get into. Right. When yeah. You have money. It's and like Gossip Girl. <laughs> it is like Gossip Girl. Yeah. No, I mean like I remember like I was in high school. I remember when Robert Chambers went to prison. Like and and then you know no the, 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 he was known as the preppy killer. He uh, like uh, he uh, raped and killed a girl. Oh, okay. uh, he was 17 and right. he oh, killed, wow. raped and killed his classmate in Central Park. Oh, um, oh right. Well, like, right like Leopold Loeb. and like I saw his face. Like I remember seeing his face at that, and he just, you know, he's sort of like a big preppy, and like he just talk about a bully fit. Like he just had like this pale kind of like he was handsome, but had a really like thick lantern kind of jaw, almost like he he could have been a superhero maybe, but like <laughs> there was just something really dark, uh, you know, in in his and and it's it's like a weird, you know, and it, it's like I. I could have completely have gone to high school with that guy. Yeah, to boarding school. Hmm. Like, uh, yeah, like Le- Leopold and Loeb were also yeah. rich kids who thought they so they were like brilliant. You know, yeah, not as brilliant <laughs> as they thought, as it turned out. You know, actually, it, it occurred to me. I apologize that we just skimmed right over Secret Life, uh, Secret Lives of Alter Boys, yeah. because I think it's um, Dangerous Lives of Alter. Dang- I'm sorry, yes, Dangerous lives Secret Lives of, of Dentist. Dangerous Lives of Alter. Yeah, boys. thank yeah. you. Um, and. Uh, and one aspect there, you know, there are some aspects I didn't like, but there were one aspect that I did is it. They like draw comic books, or rather, they I see love them the integration s- yeah. of the comic books. Into like the, they see themselves as these yeah. comic book heroes, and that's something that you'll run across with, like Stand by Me. There's yes. an element in Mean Creek, and this where these characters it's self mythologizing. Yeah, that. and they need a. This is kind of their only way out yeah. of this, you know. Um, and when that's I something was, you do at that, it, you know. Oh it's yeah. like it's a great so, adolescent. You know, and I, I love how they did it in that movie. How they kept cutting back to the, the you know, to the comic book characters. Yeah, and how they would change and they would alter as the story was changing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it was interesting. I th- yeah, I'd say that that part was probably for me like the most intriguing. Also, um, a great ghost appearance <laughs> in that movie. A, I don't remember those. He, uh, uh, he's with uh, who's the main kid? In, uh, you know. Um, the, Emil Hirsch, I think. Oh, it was Emil Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Emil Hirsch, and was it uh, um, Jenna, who, Jenna, Malone? Jenna Malone? Jenna Malone. Yeah. Malone. And they, I think it's the night they make out or have sex or something, and they're like, they're in her house, and she, she's like, there's a ghost in my house. Or there was something like they were staying in her attic. <laughs> I don't remember. And like, <laughs> she's like, I, I get scared because there's a ghost. Who, and like, they're just laying on the the rug or something i don't know it's like the middle of the night and they just look up and there is 
I think it's a, I don't know if it's a girl or a woman, and they're just sitting on the bed, Ugh. sitting, there's just someone <laughs> in the room staring, and they both see it. And they're just sort of like, and they don't do any ghosty thing around, right. it's just sort of like a person is sitting in the room staring at them. And it's kind of dark, and it's like, then they look again, and it's gone. And it's like, hmm. it's re- it was a great, like... There's yeah, that creepiness yeah. factor you're talking about. Yeah, you don't think it was of... pretty cool. It was like, eh, it's good. And ghost. actually, now that now that you bring up Emil Hirsch, it's funny how one thing is leading to another. Uh, Into the Wild, it could be considered this kind of thing. I mean, he's a, he's he's not yeah. adolescent, but no. he's still a young guy who's going on a journey to kind of find himself because he felt like the movie you makes know. me kind of mad though too. Like, yeah, like I, I don't. Like it's hard for me to mourn him in a way. Like I just, I like, totally agree. Yeah, he's he's not a hero to me. I mean, like he's got tons of guts. Like I mean, yeah. he's kind of yeah. crazy guts. Like I would, I wish I had that kind of, yeah, moxie. You yeah, know, but it's like, be, what, but in life, but in life, you know, <laughs> yeah. in general. But like, it just seems it, it was it was so foolhardy to me that yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing. It's like you were saying he's not really an adolescent, and that's why I feel like yeah, at that age he should have grown up a little more. He should yeah, have. particularly for someone who was living on the road and doing those kinds of you know, you feel like you you know your limits or you know like how to prepare better. Like you yeah. know, you probably respect your environment in a way that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I could die out here. I mean, yeah. That reminds me another thing that's uh, the same thing. Did you see Adventureland that recent? No, I didn't. It's great. Yeah, it's really it's really good. But I had a tough time relating because it's not about kids who just got out of high school. It's about a kid who just got out of undergrad school, and he's yeah. still sort of behaving like he like he's in high school. And so, yeah. what, as as a, as a effective a movie that, as though, it was, feel, it, you know, college to, like undergrad college is you know an arrested development sort of stage. Yeah, I, I think in the U.S., you know. I mean, everybody goes, you know, not everybody goes to college, but everybody has to or is told that, that you know, like, right. we believe. And, you know, uh, people go to college and they don't even know what they're doing there. They're yeah. just in school, yeah. like, spending four more years. And I, don't know, I guess I feel like because we went to a college that didn't really have a campus. It wasn't really like a college experience. We right. just lived in Chicago and went was to this? school. We went to Columbia College, Chicago. Okay. And so I guess I, know, I, I, I sort of I had my first year where I lived on, cam- on, on a campus, a state school, and I felt like. I did college then, and then suddenly I sort of, I was an adult who had a job, and I also yeah. was going to school, and mm. that's so. I, I I guess I have I had trouble relating to I feel to like college kids who still are in that mode. I think it's a lot of kids. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it's like well, you know, and and you know, if you're gonna get a job that's gonna pay, then you got to go to college. I mean, yeah. it's part of the racket, you know. But it's, I mean, I feel like somebody kind of in our situation. I mean through high school it was clear like if i'm going to go to college i want to go to film school or acting school or something like that like it was i I had a clear idea of what i wanted to do and so in that instance i think uh, i think our situation was different than than some like my my brother-in-law is 18 he just graduated high school he you know he's a he's a, a sharp you know a sharp guy and all that but he has no idea what he wants to do and he's like well i guess i guess i'll just go to college you know i'll go to college and Maybe I'll realize there what I want. I mean, he he's going in as you know, as you were saying, Mather. Like, just he goes in. He, he's going in, but really, he doesn't know why he's going, except hoping against hope that he finds something he's passionate about while he's there. Yeah. And and I I hear that, and it just and I'm terrified on his behalf because that wasn't the case with me at all. I mean, yeah, I you, knew you knew I knew at least you had somewhere to start, right? Yeah. And uh, and so I feel like I feel like that aspect of Adventureland is believable because right. I mean, yeah i guess what did uh, jesse eisenberg what did his character major in like it was like french poetry or <laughs> something like that 
but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my actually my younger brother just dropped out Probably of college sad. after three after three years because yeah. of that exact reason. He didn't yeah. know why he was in college, but uh, and on the other it's hand, it's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. you know. And I also know people who went to I like I know people who went to grad school because they were pursuing something, but I also know people who went to grad school because they just weren't ready to not be in school anymore. They didn't right. want to they didn't want to grow up. It's kind of yeah. like it's almost like they're kind of stalling. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know some people who did that. But uh, but yeah, Adventureland actually it's 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 very good. It's one of my favorite movies of uh, one of my favorite movies of this year. Yeah, um, and it gives me more more ammo for my Ryan Ryan Reynolds is a good actor that should get more roles. Uh, sort of uh, from credo. Adventureland. Yeah, because I, I I've always liked him, but I, he ends no, up he in was, he weird was just roles. On the cover of VW, dude. He yeah. sure was. <laughs> that was a weird cover. That's a too. weird cover. It's a lot of, lot of lot of abdomen. Yeah. Showing. <laughs> well, that's like like that that picture. It's so weird, like when they're like they're pushing someone to be a leading man, you know. Yeah. And, and he's, I you know I haven't seen that many of his movies, you know. And I can see you know, but he could you be did, a leading. You, man. You didn't go check out Blade Trinity. <laughs> man. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing is, he's a he's a but comedic a, actor, yeah. and there's nothing funny about washboard abs. No. It's like, <laughs> like the, you see those pictures of Dane that. Cook with his yes, shirt off, and it's yes. like, what? Come I, on, that, man. how can like, I laugh at you? I don't want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to see that. You I really mean, came women, alive there. That was... like most women I know are not like, oh my god, Dane Cook's abs are so like you know they they, they, they like they don't. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe yeah. I'm like underestimating the. Uh, the publicity machine, but it's just there's something, you know, showy about it. But you know, I, it's like I don't even like Maxim that much. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, just getting somebody all tarted up. You know, uh-huh. It never looks that great, really. It just kind of looks, it looks kind of phony. You I'm know? trying yeah. to think of, I'm trying to think of like, like really attractive women that are funny, or that I have found funny. Well, I consider Tina Fey to be really attractive. Yeah, but yeah. Sarah Silverman is very attractive. That's true. That's true, but like if you look at if you look at like the kind of comedy Jenna they Fisher. they always oh that's right but like they their characters always play down their beauty and like constantly like undercut themselves yeah but and I stuff. don't I, I think that's less and less now I think yeah. you know I think that's the way the industry was for a while though yeah like you can't particularly for women like mm-hmm. you can't be funny and actually but back in the days you know like you, you go back to the great screwball comedies or whatever yeah. you know i mean look at like bringing up baby or whatever and Catherine hepburn is hilarious in that movie yeah. and so sexy i think like yeah really it, it definitely so. started out one way and then it, it went that carol that, lombard you know oh yeah. yeah they're these are really you know they're lookers and yeah. they're yeah. really funny yeah, yeah. they can do both and then i think that so i wonder what what brought it on what made it is I don't know. I I don't know when that started. I mean, but it was definitely comedians had to be jlubby for a while. And no. it seemed yeah. like you have to be, you can't be funny and a lead, I guess, you know, but yeah. which is, you know, it's bullshit. So, yes. Um, and I guess, uh, how are we doing on time? Are we? We're, well, we got about 10 minutes left. Okay. Um, well, I guess we should probably, uh, if we're going to talk about uh, yeah. the topic of like, adolescent angst uh, again it's over not it's not true you fan of over the edge i don't know if i've ever seen it with uh, uh, i've never that's matt dillon yeah i've never that's seen right. it that's oh right. man i know oh yeah this is uh this movie was it was directed by jonathan kaplan like 79 it was matt dillon's first movie oh okay um he's probably 13 or something uh, you know? hmm. uh it was banned in the u.s for about five years it and uh, oh, they wow. released it in england hmm. and it had you know, it's it's a pretty dark 
adolescent movie. It's one yeah. of the great dark adolescent movies. Yeah. And and talk about like in terms of performance, like the reality of the performances. Mm-hmm. All the kids in this movie, I don't I don't know any other names in that movie besides Matt Dillon and you know, but it is it's a very realistic uh performance. You know, it feels you know, like they just got a bunch of kids living in, you know, some housing development out in Palmdale. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it takes place, you know, the plot of it or. I no, no idea. Yeah. You know, it was uh, it's takes place in the late 70s at a housing development out in, you know, probably north of L.A., you know, out in the desert somewhere where there's really nothing to do. Right. And the and more than half the population in town was under 16. And the only, pl- you know, and it was just like they're putting up these prefab houses and mm-hmm. there's just like highways and free, you know, and it's the only place they have to hang out with uh, the kids had to go uh, was a rec center. They have like this tin Quonset <laughs> rec center with like a foosball table in it or something. And this is where they would just hang out. And the rest of the time they're just doing drugs and kind of doing, you know, vandalism and, you know, they're just getting into trouble and they're bored. And at one point, um, the parents, uh, you know, one of the fathers is a uh, real estate developer and they're trying to sell more space. Uh, so they have some investors coming out and they want to get the kids sort of like out of the way for a, a day or two, you know, so because mm-hmm. they're the kids are trouble. So they lock up the rec center <laughs> and the kids go bananas. And yeah. it's basically like a like a a, like, a teenage uprising against like, like, like a Lord parents. of the Flies type of thing. Pretty much a Lord of the Flies wow. kind of thing. Mm. They go crazy. Um, go over the edge. You could they say. go over the edge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, I to, speaking of, of sort of dark adolescent movies, I wanted to mention Welcome to the Dollhouse, which is one of the Welcome all-time the greats, yeah. and is uh, unlike all the other so movies we've talked about about too. a girl. We haven't really we've been talking about about sort of boy teens the whole time. Yeah. It's Welcome to the Dollhouse is so funny too. And that, yeah, that's uh, that's a really great uh, aspect of it, and part of what makes it so memorable. The like the fact that a line like. I'm gonna rape you after school. I'm rape you after school is played is for laughs. So funny, like, <laughs> and she can't wait. Yeah, she cannot wait to yeah. get raped. Every like, she is so excited. Yeah, that uh, that is like that is. <laughs> yeah, Todd Solondz is is really good at that at walking at walking that yeah. line and still making a good human movie out of yeah. uh, like if you saw palindromes or or happiness, you know. I I saw happiness. I would I would happiness made me mad, like ha- you know, but. <laughs> It's still kind of like I, I realize that like I'm still fascinated by it every time it's on yeah. uh, on cable or whatever. Yeah. I will I kind of can't stop watching it yeah. because it is fascinating to me. And it makes me a little angry. I, I feel like oh god, they're just being so uh, you know depressing. You know, I mean, yeah. like just <laughs> really trying to hit every like painful yeah. spot. But like at the same time, I'm like it's kind of I mean when. Dylan Baker like tells his kid, <laughs> "Oh yeah, <sighs> like that is one of the that is might be the darkest comic scene ever, and it yeah. is comic, you know." Yeah, when he tells his kid, asks him if he would rape him, or like, you know, remember <sighs> that? Like, yeah, oh yeah, I know. Oh, you know scene, like, I, I mean, it's not fun, and it's like, but it's like a punchline, and yeah. it's just like, it, it just. I, I can't believe that's in a movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a certain amount of skill, and I think the fact, I mean. Storytelling sort of tipped in the wrong direction. If you saw, if you I saw didn't see storytelling, story yeah. it's it, it does feel exploitative, and, and it, mm. he, he he missteps in that one. But he, I think he came back with palindromes. I thought palindromes was really great. Yeah, I didn't see that one either. But um, but along these lines, uh, 
I'll, I'll go ahead because you mentioned uh, from a from a uh, a girl's point of view, um, the movie Ghost World oh, is okay. uh, like Ghost you know, World. And again, I actually it's weird that we keep bringing these up. I mean, I guess when it's filmmakers making these mm-hmm. these movies, these films, filmmakers make films. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have a main character who's kind of creative, and again, mm-hmm. in Ghost World, you have this girl who. Is she's a subpar student? She's not that great of a person in general. Really, the only thing she has is her artwork, and she even doesn't view that as an escape. She just sees yeah. it as this thing that she does. You know, she's um, like a hipster in training, basically. Right, like, right. Know. And uh, and I remember just really f- feeling for her and just like her relationship with Scarlett Johansson starting to uh, dissolve. That was and, great. That was yeah. one of my favorite things about the, is how their friendship starts to unravel. Yeah, I mean, that, they, I think they did that in a very smart and real way oh mm-hmm. yeah i mean because yeah. i've had friendships go that way mm-hmm. where just one person We're sometimes it's me into the same thing yeah anymore. like yeah so. Ugh. and it's and that because it's so realistic is like oh i remember that like yeah. i feel like that's that's what so these movies like breakup, will do you know, uh-huh. so. i feel like that's what these movies will do is they'll just you know if you've if you've grown up like you look at these and you're like i remember that mm-hmm. Ugh. you know and just and you and you instantly remember it in your own life and you're like oh jeez. Yeah, I was that dumb, you know, or I, yeah. I was that angsty. Because you don't know really much about the world, but you're still, like, almost, you're kind of an adult, you know, like, yeah. you, you have a full brain, you have a personality, uh-huh. you have likes and dis, you know, but you really haven't been anywhere, yeah. and the world is dangerous, you know, and it's, uh, as soon as you, like, you kind of start stepping, you know, it, it's it's really dangerous, and then it's sort of imaginarily dangerous, because you don't mm-hmm. know what, you know, there's there's the fears of what the adult world is or what's out there and like so there's the perceived threat and then there's the real threat and you know sometimes they're the same but you know but often they're not you know and your parents have stopped shielding you at that point i mean they've given you a little more freedom of course the more freedom you have the more freedom you have to screw up and the more freedom you have to get screwed over by somebody else you know and it's uh and did you ever i i'm reminded of uh because kids are me and and you're and selfish yeah like you, it's a very, you know, it's 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 a narcissistic time. I mean, because you're like you're going through all your changes, and mm-hmm. it's just all about, you know, you're becoming a person, and like you know, just think about yourself. Like how you know, I, I maybe this was just me. Though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, like I I watch, and cr- you know, and you can be so easily cruel, yeah, and not think anything about it. Because I watch, because I feel not like even anybody realize you're being cruel. Like, anybody yeah. would watch those movies and they and they might even pick out themselves and it was actually kind of watching mean creek as i as we were talking about for a couple for like maybe a year and a half a couple years Mm -hmm. i was the bully and i hated that like i i mean i I hated at the time Mm -hmm. but when i look back like you know you i I watched i watched that movie and i think like damn it that was me that guy right there overweight kid artistic no one knows it and damn it they're going to somehow (laughs) and it's just and they will know it through my i wasn't like a violent bully but i was just such a jerk the things i said um and it's just like and it's like oh that's that's me uh that's really sad you know and it's and it's it's really depressing to know that about yourself and to see it so portrayed so accurately on film it's great though it's it's like it's a great thing to recognize like Mm -hmm. to, to find like to recognize like yourself in like less appealing character you know what mm-hmm. it, it's just there's i don't know i, I find like, like that's wisdom in a way you know yeah. that's how you're like you know what i was a jerk 
Uh -huh. Like when you realize where you fucked up, you know. It's kind of <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and I <laughs> guess we could. I guess we should. I guess we should probably talk about Rebel Without a Cause before that was, we're yeah, done. Yeah, on my on my list. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of a. It's so it's sort of a uh, a milestone in in the history of this type of movie. Yeah, you know, that's it, true. Because um, it's well, I guess that you know only the idea of like the teen. I mean, teenagers. I don't even think the word teenagers existed before the fifties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the 50s sort of invented teenagers. Yeah. Because before that, you were either like a minor or an adult, and, you know, either way, you're, you're either locked up in school or you're going to work. You know? At the yeah. very least, it was like the first time Hollywood or television or advertising saw them as like a market. And it's yeah, like, they're a market. Well, yeah. And, and the and the reason was because they, and they had cars. That's they sort had of cars. The yeah. They were the first generation of teens and to have cars. And records and so more. they could be a demographic apart from their parents because they were out yeah. on their own. And so, like Rebel Without a Cause, you know, I, I I view Rebel Without Without a Cause much the same way as I view like the Lost Weekend. I love the Lost Weekend, and I love Rebel Without a Cause. But as you say, like they're both milestones in their in their subgenre, and kind of the first one to really examine like Lost Weekend examined alcoholism, and it's great, and I really like it. But of course, it's kind of melodramatic at times, and I'd say Rebel Without a Cause mm -hmm. is also really melodramatic. Like it needs yes. when it. When it's the fir kind of the first one to do it, it needs to do it big, you know, and it's then they can get subtle, and, right? Yeah. And then they can get more subtle after that. But yeah. uh, and I feel like you know, because I, I the reason I say that is because I feel like some people I, I know people who've seen Rebel Without a Cause and they just roll their eyes at how over the top it was. It's like very it's, over the top. It's, yeah. it's the first one, and what's yeah. more, it's like these emotions have never been shown on screen yeah. before in a young character. You know, or and at least also, not that I remember. Know, I mean, you, I can accept the magnification of it, you know, for the subject right. matter. Yeah. Because right. it's like teen angst and it's yeah. like yeah. everything is in exclamation points. Too. Yeah. Yeah. We and need and to and declare because it's, it. It's so it's it's sort of elemental in that in that sense. Uh, it, it gives you a lot of insight as to why teens in movies and in real life are like that from that point on. Like you mentioned, they have money, you know. So the or, or or they they come from sort of moneyed families often. So they're often on the one hand, not as mature as they should be, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, they have way more independence and responsibility than they should. Privilege, yeah, uh, yeah, because I mean, they have the, their cars and all the time to themselves, and so it's it's that gap that they're not as grown up as they should, but they have more responsibility than they should, or, mm -hmm. or more independence at least. And uh, that's I think that's the gap where teen angst lives yeah. in. Yeah, and I feel like everybody, if like if you want to, if you really want to examine this this genre like and by the you time, need to like, start with like it like 16 17 18 like you're big yeah, yeah. like they're, they're adult size like they could kill you <laughs> like a teenager can kill you yeah i used to kind of not pick on but i used to like uh, my because my my brother-in-law as i said he's 18 now but when i first met him he was 12 yeah and i didn't pick on him but i'd like you know be like kind of that goofy like punch him in the arm kind of thing yeah. well he's huge now yeah. he's a freaking <laughs> hockey yeah, he's, he's like, in minnesota so he's a hockey player oh, and he, yeah, well, he can beat the hell out of me yeah, it's like it's ah shoot like <laughs> that's really depressing now um but uh but yeah and so like i feel like if you're going to examine this topic like you need to start with rebel without a cause and and start it with with a clear-eyed view recognize what it was and appreciate it for what it was, was it 55 uh um yeah i think that's right 55 50 yeah I mean, it's it, well, it's in uh, it's in it's in widescreen. So oh, that's true. It's got to <laughs> be. True. It can't be. It can't be before fifty five. That's true. Yeah. 
So, but uh, when did widescreen that's start? the the 2.35 uh, to one aspect ratio started in 1955. I think I think oh. the robe was the first film uh, to be the released. robe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, but like, so yeah, I, I'm not really good with years sometimes, but, uh, but yeah. And so I feel like, you know, start with that one and then, and then move into and see what it has become, you know, yeah. you know, and you can s- stop with like, you know, watch over the edge, stand by me. And then just because it, it, yeah. it has become its own thing to the point now that I feel like it's been kind of co-opted by studios and they kind of, yeah, well now it's sort of, yeah, it's, it is a genre. Now, yeah. You know, yeah. It has become a marketable genre. You know what I liked? Uh, did you guys like Brick? Oh, oh yeah. I loved Brick. I loved Brick too. I thought that was such a fun take. I, I hear again, kind of that, you know, in that ballpark of movie. Yeah. Um, and what a, what a fun way to do it. Like, yeah. You yeah. Know. And also like we talked, I talked about Todd Solondz having to walk a line to make his movies acceptable. Like Brick has to walk a very thin line to not be ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's, it's it absurd. In every way, note yeah. perfectly. It's a great movie. It's and why you know, it was and so shot really well. Like, yeah. cause it really, sh- it is shot in a very paranoid kind of way. Like yeah. there's a lot of, there were like a lot of scenes where, you, where people felt very exposed mm-hmm. to danger, you know, like these open fields and yeah. like, it was just like anyone could be watching them or uh-huh. spying on, you know, it just felt paranoid in yeah. a way, like in a great way. And it was kind of the, op- it's like the opposite way that film noir was paranoid. Like in the, you know, in the, in yeah. the old days, it, it was, was paranoid because everything was like, closing yeah. in on you. Like, whereas now it's like, it's open air and it can come from any it side. It can come from anywhere. Like, yeah. And, yeah, I know. It's, and it's, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt does such a great job in that. Yeah, and and it's, it's, it's a movie that. that really understands, it's like, Okay, we're going to take a film noir plot and we're going to have teenagers play it out. Yeah. So there's a scene where he finally breaks down and cries. Yeah. And it's like Bogart wouldn't do that, but he wasn't a teenager but he wasn't when this a, was, you know, kid, yeah. he was in his 40s at this point yeah. and had kind of, you know, uh, his right. soul had kind of crusted over at that point. Yeah. And uh but like it understands that like this guy may, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt may talk tough, but he's still only like 17. Right. And he's still a kid. <laughs> and he's still seeing these terrible things. Yeah. He would cry as any as anybody would, you know. I yeah. I probably it's still shocking. would. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and I feel like a scene like that is where it understands that it's like it's not just an experiment, you know, a film noir set in a high school. Like right. it's it's using that to it was, examine yeah, it these was characters. Funny. It was a strangely emotionally grounded, yeah, or yeah. like such a sort yeah. of high blown concept in a way. Like. Yeah, and I guess bring up Joseph Gordon Levitt. I mean, Mysterious Skin is another one. Oh man, that movie's amazing. Have you, you ever seen, seen, that? seen it? No. It's um, it's Greg uh, Araki. I think I don't yeah. know how you say his last name, but the, the guy who made like the Doom Generation and Totally Fucked Up and those sort of crazy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know those man. Like, you shouldn't. Th- uh, you know what? No, that's a, this is an argument for another day. Tyler, but, uh, <laughs> but they're very they're very bizarre and over the top movies. And then he made this movie called Mysterious Skin. That's got uh, it's um, Joseph Gordon Levitt as the lead, and then it uh, also has Michelle Trachtenberg, Har- mm-hmm. Harriet the Spy, uh, or Buffy's little sister, depending mm-hmm. on your reference point. Um, but uh, it's a it's a uh, very I just like to think of her work in Euro Trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, mysterious skin is uh, it's it, it's uh, it's another genre we haven't really talked about, which is uh, gay teens. You know, because that's yeah. something that I certainly right. can't really relate to personally. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre film coming from Greg Araki because he made these very over the top films, and this one's very grounded and very sort of yeah. difficult to watch at times because it's so it's so realistic. But it's uh, that's highly recommended. Yeah, yeah, that and Brick. It was kind of this little one-two punch when I suddenly realized like 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like one of the best actors of his generation. <laughs> and then and then he was in The Lookout after that, and it's like, he's turning in great work. And then his casting as Cobra Commander <laughs> is the only reason that I get, gave G.I. Joe a second look this summer. Oh. Because um, it's, it's like them when they were like all in the academy together. So it's like them as younger people. Okay. And you see him start to I go really wrong. I don't really know the G.I. Joe. Like, I was a little old for <laughs> the that. The mythology? But I think everyone, even Commander, kids, were a little like, old for has that. A, he has like he's mask. got the mask, he's got visor, yeah. Because right? like, his face gets all deformed and oh, stuff. So this is like, they're all friends. And then you see uh, Cobra Commander like start to go you know, in the direction of evil. And it's like, oh, I and Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets to play that. I bet that'd be pretty good. At the same time, it's still the same guy that directed Van Helsing, a movie that I hate. So yeah, That's a bad movie. Yeah. But well, was there anything else? To, I mean, this was your topic, uh, Mather. Was there anything else you really wanted to, to get to? I don't know. I'm much. I just like talking about all those movies of that uh, of that stripe. Uh, it's a British film, Bloody Kids. You ever see Bloody Kids? Mm-hmm. No, but that reminds me. Did you see This Is England? The uh, no, it's it's about like no. a 12 year old kid who uh, it's doesn't doesn't have a dad, has a sort of uh, neglectful mom. And uh, it's getting in trouble in school and then sort of becomes friends with these, he's like 12 years old, these like 16, 17-year-old like uh, mods. It's like in the... Oh, great. It's in the 80s. And so it, it's on the one hand, it's about that, but it's also about uh, the that point in the 1980s when skinhead culture split from like the sort of mod skinheads and then the racist skinheads. Right. So right. all that's happening in the same time in the movie, and it's it's really amazing. Hmm. And the guy, the guy who wrote directed it, it, is it from the eighties? No, it's it, it only it came out in two thousand five, I think two thousand six. It's called This Is England. This Is England, and the the guy who wrote and directed it, it's it's mostly autobiographical. He actually was like that twelve year old kid. It actually hmm. happened to him. He's a skinhead, or he, yeah, but or, but the yeah. the non racist skinhead. I feel, I feel like in in America yeah. we have to always like the, say the, what are they called the uh, sharps? sharps skinheads against racial prejudice. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. But but that's I mean skinhead culture started out not not having the race thing at all you know it it, it sort of it was really like a, yeah it was I it thought was, it came out of that I thought like no it was seventies like it was like a working class party like kind of no the it, it, punk rock it, Nazi the, thing skinheads were supposed to represent like the the working class and the struggles of the working class yeah. and then there sort of became this whole faction of them where they said well our struggles are the fault of the foreigners who are coming in here mm. yeah and that's sort of where the the, the schism they got, came they got tied in with the the National Front. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, but in 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 America, skinhead culture is pretty much solely the uh, apart from the sharp, solely the the racist thing. But uh, yeah, in in England, it started uh, as, as as a different thing. Mm. I had a question, um, and uh, you know, uh, either one of you can can Quite answer it because because you mentioned um, Todd Solondz and uh, storytelling being kind of exploitative. Uh, what do you think about the the films of uh, Larry Clark? Uh, I've only seen Bully. Okay. That's Bully the only is Larry Clark, th- and it kind of, yeah. That, I, that's what I, I, I did feel it was exploitative. Um, yeah, I feel like it's emotionally an effective movie. Like it really uh, disturbed me in the way it's supposed to. But I, yeah. But at the same time, like I have no feeling for those kids. Like yeah. I, I hate them all. <laughs> yeah. I hate them yeah. all. Like I just, it, it's like why like. It's why, like, I feel like they should get rid of Florida as a state. You know, I'm like, these are the kids you're producing. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing is, I don't actually it just feel it's awful. It's like a horrible culture with just, you know. But it's just like with with the movie Kids and Bully. It's like, okay, if you look at Kids and then if you look at, did you ever see Raising yeah. Victor Vargas? I did. Yeah, that great movie. Yeah, and like it both Victor takes Vargas, place yeah. in sort of the same 
milieu, which is the New York urban teens, you know, kids, those yeah, 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 and uh, kids and raising Victor Vargas. And to right. me, raising Victor Vargas seems probably. I, I grew up in the suburbs, so I don't know, but it seems a lot more believable. Whereas these kids and bully, I don't really believe that these kids exist in that, like in mass, like that. Maybe there are some kids I guess that it's are that fucked like the up. Brett Easton Ellis kind of, yeah, you know, hmm. structure. You know, it's yeah. just like completely amoral, yeah, sort of just soulless hedonism. Hedonism, yeah, yeah but sort I, of yeah. Self, total self-absorption, you know, to the point where. But I think like, Brett Easton Ellis always had just an, enough of a hint of satire that you could. You could say, yeah, well, he's exaggerating, right. whereas Larry he's, Clark is trying to sell it as gritty. As Right, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, and Bully, then, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't no, yeah, it's not an enjoyable like film them, at all. You know, and it's, uh, I feel like that might be actually one of his more accessible films, like, yeah. <laughs> compared to, like... I never uh, saw Kids, actually. I kids remember when Kids came out. And, like, it's rough, uh, but I felt like Bully because, I mean, when you think about it, it's actually kind of a, thematically similar to that to Main Creek. Um, oh, yeah, very much. You know, a bunch of people... You know, uh, rising up against this guy who's just an absolute prick and is just yeah. an awful guy. But what? The, but with bully, there's a, an added dimension where they don't realize that they're pretty awful too, <laughs> and that everyone is completely irredeemable, and they're all yeah, kind of dumb. Mean, there's like, absolutely no self reflection. There, there, there's yeah. like no, there's almost no collision with the world except in how it. You know, like it. Mm-hmm. It's it's like they're completely unaware of or you know of their own consequences and it reminded me of like when you were talking about the the story of uh of over the edge where it just it seems like these kind of rich bore like the reason they do these terrible things because they're bored and they don't know what else to do and it's uh which was good i mean it was more you know lower middle class it was like they they were you know it's it was families with some money but you know not not much you know right um and their parents were just working all the time. You know, they they yeah. basically had nothing to do. And like, it, and here again, like a crappy culture, like just growing mm-hmm. up in a crappy town. Like I, I was very lucky. You know, I grew up in uh, kind of a great town right outside New York City, hmm. uh, Hastings on Hudson. And it was small. It was safe, very close to the city. And, uh, you know, there and, and a lot of the families who lived there, there was both working class and, you know, middle class, uh, not and you know some more wealthy people but uh it, it was all kind of like there was only one school the school was a small high school it was good there was a lot of cultural exposure um and then you know it was like a 40 minute train ride in into manhattan and yet you could like hang out at night in in the town and really nothing's going to happen to your kids you know right uh but most so many towns across the country are just nothing yeah i mean nothing yeah. Like there's just, I mean, really, kids should be, you know, going like just working. Yeah, <laughs> like well, it's because sort of like a, there's really there's no the, um, good that's going to come from like you know, spe- <laughs> like hanging out. You yeah, know, hanging out is just going to turn bad somehow. Yeah, you know? it's it, like, it reminds me like Richard Linklater made a film of Eric Bogosian's play Suburbia, which the film yeah. wasn't great, but it starts off like the credits roll, uh, the the opening titles roll over just a panning shot that goes on for minutes and minutes of just strip mall after strip mall and it is no cut it's just driving down the street and like you find out oh the movie was filmed in texas but really that could have been down the street from me in st louis or wherever it could be anywhere yeah Yeah. could be florida could be nebraska yeah yeah i i grew up in uh in well i mean i spent the first seven years of my life in taft california which was a 45 minute drive to bakersfield like that was (laughs) that's that's where i lived and uh and i've been to bakersfield but it just You've 
you get it. Everyone gets it. Everyone knows uh, what know, Bakersfield look, I, I is. I saw every which way but loose. <laughs> that's, that's what I know about Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, I've, and then I lived Bakersfield, in Bakersfield. That is actually where that, that those chimps like killed those those old yes. people, right? That was in Bakersfield. Yeah, that oh, was in Bakersfield. That I thought that was uh, I thought that was an Edgar Allan Poe story. <laughs> no, this happened in. Um, they didn't actually kill it was like the what, guy. Two, three years ago. Or? I think it was 2005. Uh, this couple had a pet chimp, and it got too old, and was starting to get aggressive. So they put it in this like facility in Bakersfield, and they would go visit every once in a while. And um, a couple of the other chimps apparently were like literally jealous and broke out and um, just uh, they the guy had survived, All but they just des- destroyed. Destroyed chewed, him. O- chewed yeah. off all his fingers. His fingers. Bit, bit off his lips, ripped off his nuts. Like ripped his face open, yeah. ripped off his balls, you know. I mean. Wow. Just, yeah. yeah. See, and that's the city that we in Taft looked up to. You're right. saying, like, <laughs> that's one of these brothers. Days, I'm going to make it to Bakersfield. <laughs> exactly. So, well, um, okay, well, we've been going yeah, for a while. Yeah, we've been going for quite a while. So, uh, thank you so much yeah, for coming. This, this is fun. a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, is there, do you have, a, like, a website or, or any any place that somebody can find, like, a Twitter? Yeah, do you no, Twitter I, I, at all? I, I don't tweet. I don't tweet, but my girlfriend set up a Facebook account for me. So okay. <laughs> she set up she set up a very nice, a cute little fan page. All right. Okay. Well, we'll go look for Mather Zickel on, uh, on, on Facebook. And, of course, uh, you can always find us at com or email us at david at com or tyler at com or follow us on Twitter at The Pretension. I don't know how you got uh, – uh, it's fine. I don't know how you got the job of saying com like eight times in a row. It's fine with me. Because I can talk faster than you, you can. can we can get it over. That's true. very good cadence. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I would draw it out to about eight minutes, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, Matt, thanks for being here. It was really thanks. great. Thank and, uh, and thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.